Hey everyone, welcome back to another ACR Radio. This week we are chatting to a productivity coach, Carl Clean. Now, Carl helps people get everything together, bring their personal life, their business life all under one umbrella and be the most productive person you can be. Um, you see all the time people are busy or how many people are actually productive when they are busy, question. Um, what we talk about is a lot of what Carl has been through in his journey, what he has produced himself, his own um, programs, his own online learning courses, as well as the challenges that he's come up with in terms of capturing data, processing data, deciding whether um, something is a piece of reference, whether it's actionable. If it's not actionable, what do we do with it? All these kinds of different things. So this is a really interesting chat for me, being a, a fan of productivity in general and always looking at new ways to kind of streamline processes that I use and that I have personally, both in business and in, in personal life. I'm sure that you'll take a lot away from this show if, if that's uh, if that's an interest to you. So here it is. Today we meet Carl Pauline. Okay, so this week on the show, we have got Carl Pauline. He is a productivity mentor, a teacher, a coach. Um, Carl, welcome to the show. And as I say to everyone who comes on, we really appreciate the time and really appreciate you coming on and, and speaking to us and, and kind of lending your experience to our to all our guys. So if you would like to introduce yourself and let us know what you're up to, how you came to be, what you are today. Well, thank you very much, Brad, for having me on your show. Well, my name is Carl Pauline, and I suppose if you put it in a nutshell, I help people to become better organized and more productive through my YouTube channel, podcast, blog, online courses, you name it, I do it. And I also teach English to students over here in Korea, or as I originally come from the UK, I come from Leeds. Okay. Um, but for the last 16 years, I've lived and worked over here in Asia, in South Korea, and I love it. Okay, how did, first question then, how did the move to Korea come about? Is that, was that part of your work? Was it a kind of a decision that you want to move somewhere else and try something different and the productivity came as, a, as an extra on the back of it? What, what, what caused the move? <laughs> no, no, actually, I didn't really choose uh, what I do today. It, I okay. suppose it rather chose it chose me. <laughs> but uh, when I was in my late 20s, I studied law, <clears throat> went to university, did all the law school stuff, went to work for a solicitor. And, you know, the solicitors uh, and everybody there, they were all wonderful, nice people. <laughs> the problem was I hated working in an office. Uh, I'd never worked in an office before. I think my career before that was hotel management, car sales. That was pretty much what I'd done before going into law. And as soon as I got into an office, nine till five, oh, I, I just felt like a prisoner. And I was given, you know, release at 5.30 in the evening to go home. I it just, I hated it. And after a year and a half of that, I thought I need, a, I need to rethink my future. <laughs> so... Fortunately, because I had a degree, I was able to come and teach English in Korea. And, you know, within three months of working over here in a language institute, I realized this is what I want to do. 
Okay. And, I, you know, I never came back. <laughs> so then how does, um, how do you go from English teacher to productivity coach and mentor and this kind of thing? Is it something that um, productivity has always been part of your life? You've always been an advocate of having a system, which we'll talk about a little bit later, your particular system. Mm. But has there always been an underlying tone of, I, although I don't necessarily fit into that nine to five routine, that grind, mm. I, mm. I do like schedule. How, how does that all Yeah, it, it, it actually for me it all started when I was in um, middle school. Um, you know, when we started doing, I was doing O levels. I think they're called GCSEs now. Um, <laughs> but when I was doing O level, when I was doing my O levels, I used to love setting out a revision timetable. And in those days, it wasn't computers; it was pen and it was pencil and a ruler and a blank sheet of paper. And I loved it. You know, my revision timetables were fantastic. My revision, not so good. But I did enjoy making those timetables and organizing my day. And, you know, it started really when I was a teenager. And then throughout my whole working life, whether it was in hotel management or car sales or in law, you know, I, I always had, I think it was a Filofax in the late 80s, early 90s. And then it was a Franklin planner. And, you know, I just absolutely loved all that. So productivity has been a part of my life since I was in middle school. It's just, and I've read every book I could get my hands on. It's, it is a pure joy for me. Okay. And so to move into that as a business, um, that was essentially because I thought I'm going to write a book about everything I've learned over the last 25 years. And it came about because I thought, well, how am I going to market this? Because I'm nobody knows me. Uh, so that's why I started the YouTube channel. Well, that's that comes on nicely to our next question. And uh, your mm. YouTube channel um, that you, you mentioned before, you, you're doing two videos a week now. You're doing blog posts every week and stuff like that. You, mm. It is all centered around productivity and getting the most out of your day and your week and things like that. But mm. two, two things that do jump out are... Todoist and Evernote. There's a lot of content mm. around those two platforms mm. in particular. So mm -hmm. Have you? How do you feel they suit you better than other platforms? So like you have Todoist, you, there's um, Wonderlist. There's I don't know. There's hundreds and hundreds of lists now and apps and things. Yeah. So what is it about those two in particular that you think are, are the best in their field or that suit you the best? Well, originally for me, it was simplicity. I mean, I, of course, it's the fact that I loved using them, but they're also, they're solid, they're dependable, and they do exactly what I needed them to do. And that's kind of the key for anyone who's thinking about doing this. It's it's not about what somebody else is doing because that's going to work for them, but it's not likely to work for you. It's what works for you. And for me, it was Todoist and Evernote. And Actually, I realized that this month I've been using Evernote now for 10 years. Uh, sorry, nine years this year, nine years this nine year. Years, wow. And the beauty of Evernote particularly is that it's, it's strong enough with features for the power users, but it's still simple enough for anyone to use. Yeah. And I, it's just so solid and dependable. And to me, that's the most important thing. I don't want crashes, freezes, and lost data. Yeah, when when I put something into Evernote, as I suppose you call it, throw something into Evernote, I know it's going to stay there. So then, how have they evolved over time, and how has your 
use of those two platforms in particular because I, I used to do it and I've done for a couple of years now and I absolutely love mm-hmm. it uh, I use Trello with a couple of clients that I have and like for mm-hmm. kind of project management stuff but I always end up going back to to do it for exactly what you said it's simple but it's yeah. really really effective so if using platforms like that like you mentioned before Evernote you've used nine years now how have they mm-hmm. evolved and how has your use of them evolved over time um well, actually, I think with Todoist, the biggest change I've had in the last 12 months is I'm focusing more on areas of my life. So like health and fitness, uh, mentor, teacher, you know, each one of those for me now has a category. I never used to do that. I used to use Todoist as a project manager. Yeah. And what I it was something actually that I picked up from Tony Robbins, who was talking about he has a system called OPA. Uh, which is uh, <laughs> I can never remember rapid. Oh, he's rapid. Oh, he's it's got so many different names. Outcome, <laughs> yeah. purpose. Oprah is outcome, purpose, and massive action plan. Oh, that's okay. basically wow. what it is. But the idea yeah. is is that the purpose side is the most important thing. That's the why. Why yeah. why do you want to do this project? Why are you doing this project? Um, but you take that into your personal life is why do you want to be fit and healthy? Why do you want to uh, be a teacher? You know, it's all the things that can help you to become a better mentor, a better teacher, a better athlete. And I just loved that idea. So in the last 12 months, that's how it's evolved. To do is for me, though, one of the reasons I've, I will probably stay with it forever is simply because they don't throw out too many features. Yeah. And w- when they do throw features out, I found they've been very useful. Uh, and I can I can absorb it into my workflow. Evernote, ha, that about five years ago, they went the opposite direction. They started throwing in all sorts of features, which in the end I just ignored. But in the last five years, they've been rolling those back. They've been taking out features, which is fantastic because it's getting back to what it originally was, which was a very strong, solid note-taking app. Yeah. And it's, it's I know it, I think recently, yeah, and I think recently got some bad publicity because it fired a few executives, but I don't think that's really the alarm bells everyone's making it out to be. Um, from what I from what I heard earlier this year, just from their blog, this uh, is just about a month ago, they've got some very big plans for the future, and I think it's again revolving around that simplicity. So I'm quite excited about what Evernote's going to be doing in the future. I think that's um, you touched so, on it before about um, when platforms like like Todoist and like Evernote and, and there are plenty more out there that other people use mm. but when they add features and you have to change the way you work to adapt to the feature rather than like you mentioned before the feature just falls into your workflow that much easier mm. or it's an extra level of um, context or flexibility in your workflow mm. rather than um, What's the word? like going against the grain and going against what you what you're used to and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I, I hate <clears> it when they do that, which is why I've stuck <laughs> with Evernote and to do it actually. Excellent, good. So then it does exactly what it says it's going to do. Yeah, and that's what I want. Notes. And you know what though? Mm. That like I I've found over the last couple of months of using it, and more so since I've I've started working for myself, is that you do want simplicity. I don't want to have to log in. To, to a specific device to do a specific thing or have to wait till I'm here or there to get stuff done. I, I want to be able to add notes as quickly as possible and remember things. Mm-hmm. Like 
the whole um, I know that you do a lot of work on, on GTD and stuff like that and it's about mm. that capture process how easy is that capture process yeah. if it's not mm. you will never stick to a system you see um, that that's a really good example you mentioned there actually because Todoist recently um, updated their mobile app and one of the features they added was uh, a plus button on the home screen yeah now, I couldn't understand why it was never there in the first place, but that plus button now just allows you, essentially, with two taps, you can add the task. Before, yeah. you had to one tap, swipe, then add. Now it's, you know, although that's it sounds really macro, <laughs> yeah. and uh, maybe a bit OCD, but actually, the way I work is I'm working, I don't work from my office, I actually work, go to client offices, so I'm using the public transport system here in Seoul. And, you know, when you're transferring a train and you think, oh, I've got to remember this. I don't want to be searching through my apps. I just want one click and just and get that note in there. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what? They released a beta not so long ago for um, for Android because I, I, I use a Samsung phone and it's in the pull down now. Mm. So it's part of my mm. notification screen just to hit it. And it's the best thing they've mm. done. I completely yeah. agree with that. It's so, so simple and so easy. Yeah. Um, so with that then... <clears throat> What when you when you're coaching people and when you're mentoring people and trying to implement different systems and remove things as well because they overcomplicate mm. them and things like that. What's the biggest problem you you encounter when you you help people, or what's the biggest issue that you encounter? You know, the biggest one, and it's the common in pretty much everybody I've been coaching, is over complexity. Now, it's not the apps this time; it's actually the human the human condition. Um, it's where it, it's something I don't know why we do it and I think all humans have this urge it's when we've got something working we then think we can improve it yeah and more often than not we think we can improve it by adding something I always think of it like it's a little bit like interior design if you've got this beautiful room with nothing in it we'll probably begin by adding a sofa and then we'll probably need to add the tv and then a rug and then a coffee table and before long you've got shelves everywhere rugs everywhere and what was originally a beautiful clean airy room has just become a cluttered mess yeah, but it, it hasn't yeah it didn't become a cluttered mess in one step it, it took several steps and probably several years but it eventually has become because we keep thinking we can improve it we'll add a we'll add an ornament here and we'll add a lamp there and, you know, you've just lost the whole essence of what it was originally. And I think human beings, it's, it's, it's not a particular person. I just think we are probably wired that way. And uh, so what I find the first step I have to do is to, to take away all these layers of complexity that people have built into their system. So do you think then when you're um, assessing people's productivity and the systems they use and the, the complexities or the simplicities that they do or don't employ um do, do you think people feel like they're being productive when they're producing a system so i could spend an afternoon uh, like spring cleaning all my mm -hmm. emails and getting down to inbox zero and doing all this kind mm -hmm. of stuff <clears throat> and i feel productive because i've done that but i haven't actually mm. done any work in in that sense all i've done is sat and deleted a book a load of emails to make it look like I'm at inbox zero now. I use that as an mm -hmm. example, but like you mentioned before with your revision timetable, you enjoyed the timetable process, mm -hmm. but the actual revision doing, 
was, was <laughs> I hated that bit. <laughs> was the mis- but that's a perfect example though of how yeah, yeah. You, you looked at your own system and was like, I like this bit, but I don't like that bit. So you must encounter it sometimes where people are like, oh, I've got this system. And you just said before, they build the house, they build the room, they put all the bits in it. Mm. And that's the mm. enjoyable part. But actually doing the, the, the job is mm. last on the list of things that you need to accomplish. Well, yeah, th- this is this is the, another problem that we I can often encounter where people are... It's usually because they're switching apps, hoping that the next app is going to be better than the original one. Yeah. But it's probably because they don't actually have an underlying system. And that that can that's usually what causes that problem. But you're right. Um, it does. The, the 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 thing here is is we've got seven days in the week, and usually I would take I take Sunday afternoon, where I do exactly that. I clean up files. I delete stuff that has been used and doesn't need it anymore. But I have a specific time of the week when I do that. Yeah. So the rest of the time, I am focused on the work. Monday to Saturday, pretty much, I am focused on the work. And Sunday afternoon, I can sit down with a nice cup of tea for about 90 minutes and just clean everything up digitally. Yeah. And the feeling you have then on Monday morning is like you've got so much energy and you're ready to start. So actually, it can be a benefit when you do that cleaning up. But if you're doing that cleaning up every single day, then yeah, that's when it's going to start hurting your productivity. Yeah, because people feel like they're working when they're not actually producing results. Yeah. yeah so yeah, then, yeah. what's your own a bit the biggest challenge that you've encountered with yourself in terms of it could be any time whether it was coaching someone or putting a system in or even sticking to a system like that. Well, like we mentioned before, have you kind of been able to sit back and say that's an issue for me personally? Well, I've been doing this for probably nearly 30 years now, so I've probably ironed out most of those issues for myself. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't really have any – I wouldn't say I have any productivity issues. The biggest problem I have is if I'm not getting enough sleep now uh, because I, I've recognized that if I haven't had – my six hours, I just need six hours. But if I don't get those six hours, I know that the next day I'm, I'm going to be procrastinating. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'll spend that little bit too long looking at Facebook, a little bit too long looking at Twitter. Um, but like a day like today, absolutely brilliant. I had my six hours sleep last night and I, I pretty much got all the important work done round about just after lunchtime for me. And you know, that's a typical day now. That's but day. but I have to be honest, you don't do that in a week. For me, it's taken like 30 years to get yeah. to that level. Um, but everyone's going to come across problems and uh, they're going to come across barriers. Uh, normally when I'm with my clients, it's a case of focusing them in on the collection part. Get them really into the habit of collecting everything. Because okay. we have a natural... most people still trust their brains to remember things yeah and you know it it, the brain is not a good it doesn't remember things very well but it recognizes patterns well so if you use the last of the milk in the morning when you make your morning cup of tea and you go out to the house and you say to yourself oh i must remember to buy milk on the way home your brain is not going to remind you as you walk past the corner shop yeah it it's going to remind you when you open the refrigerator 
and you realize there's no milk in there because the brain recognizes the pattern is wrong. Yeah, it's missing And something. that's why we get, yeah, it's missing something. So I've always said that the number one thing that I do with all my coaching uh, clients is to get you into the habit of just collecting everything. You can decide later if it's useful to you, but just collect it all. It's the habit of collecting that really works. So then coming on from collecting, is there, mm. as well as collecting, what would your top, say, three tips be for people who are busy rather than productive? What What mm. do you think they, what are the tips that you would say, you need to change this habit or you need to make sure you're doing this element to go from busy to productive and actually achieving what you want to achieve in a day, a week, a month, a year? Mm. Well, the first thing we've got to recognize is that we are going to get distracted in the day. There are going to be emergencies and we can't avoid them and we can't predict them, but they are going to happen. Um, so I think one of the biggest problems people have is the, is the expression, you're biting off more than you can chew. Yeah. Um, so when they plan their day, they're trying to do too much in a day. And, you know, you've got plenty of days and... So the thing, the, the number one tip I would give is spend a few minutes every day figuring out what tasks would have the biggest positive impact on the project or projects that you're working on right now and do those first because okay. you're going to get distracted. Now, I have a system. I call it my two plus eight. And basically what that means is you take two objective tasks, two things that you will definitely do today, come what may and eight other tasks that you would like to get done. Now, if you stick to having those 10 tasks in total, you can still handle all the distractions that are coming towards you, but those 10 things that you do will drive your projects forward. And that's why it, it really does work. A second tip I would give people is block 90 minutes each day for complete, undisturbed, focused work. Is there a key to 90 minutes? Because I've, I've heard uh, this plenty of times where, and, and you've said it multiple times on your, your YouTube channel and things like that. Other productivity guys have said it. I've read it in articles. Is 90 minutes a sweet spot of you can concentrate for that long and then after that you're done? Or in 90 minutes you can achieve four hours worth of work? So if you can focus for that long, then that's the benefit of doing it. Uh, well, 90 minutes is a reasonable, I think it's just because it's a reasonable amount of time. If you didn't reply to a phone call, an email or a message for 90 minutes, nobody's going to be upset or should be upset. Yeah. Um, and the other thing about the 90 minutes is it's long enough for you to really get deeply into something. And when you get really deep into something, I, I'm thinking of all the tasks that I've got on at the moment. I don't think there's anything that would actually take longer than 90 minutes to get pretty much completed. Okay. Um, I think like a, a blog post that I write usually takes about an hour to write a thousand words. Okay. Um, and what about YouTube for, and editing YouTube videos and filming? And um, do you find, because you've been doing it for so long now, do you find that you can do it in one hit and then you just add the extras in or? Is there a lot of cutting and swapping and changing and editing involved in it? Uh, the key to that actually is the planning process. It's when I uh, get I, in the afternoon. I record the videos on a Friday afternoon, but I've done the planning the 
a few days before. So I can record the introductions to the videos, which is like the headshots, um, in less than an hour for three videos that I would do. Okay. And the screen casting, that takes a little bit longer. But again, I would say it takes about no more than 90 minutes to do three of those. Um, the editing down. takes, yeah, the editing does take a bit longer. So I usually do that in two sets. Uh, I'll do a, probably a couple of hours actually on a Saturday afternoon and maybe a couple of hours Sunday morning just to finish it off. Um, okay. But the 90 minutes is, the, the key to the 90 minutes is if you did it in the morning, you still got like an hour either side where you could deal with the distractions and the emergencies. And if you did it in the afternoon, you've got an hour either side to deal with emergencies and distractions. Um, I think that's why 90 minutes seems to work. And also, after about 90 minutes of pure concentration, you are going to be tired. Yeah, you're going to want to break. <laughs> yeah, you're going to want to break. So then yeah. is there any and other... The... Sorry, go on. Yeah, there was a third one I've actually got, which yeah. this is the key to the whole system for me, is, is 10 minutes at the end of the day where I just collect everything together that I've collected, you know, in, in my various inboxes. And I then dis make a decision on what the two things I'm going to do tomorrow. And I do it the night before because when I wake up in the morning, I know exactly what I need to get started with. Yeah, you have a clear goal for that day. Yeah, because what happens is if you don't do that, you'll end up checking email first thing in the morning. And that can be a big time suck. And the problem with checking email is you look at it, yeah, and you look at the next one, then the next one, then the next one. And all that's happened is you've just opened the email. It's still in your inbox. And that's usually caused because of procrastination. So if you know exactly what you want to get done the next day um, before you, you know, before you go to bed, wow, that that really does give you so much um, momentum moving forward. Do you find then with that, with saying then that you have 10 minutes at the end of the day where you decide what you're going to do tomorrow, um, mm. do, do you have, a, 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 I suppose, a, a personal rule where you will get up in the morning and do that work and consciously not check email? Because that's one of the things as well. Uh, it works for some people. It doesn't work for others. Obviously, depending on your industry and your your, your job and stuff like that. But mm. um, to be able to get up and say, I'm going to leave my phone for an hour, two hours, and not check mm. it till I've done X. Do you think well, you do Well, the that funny thing is, about three months ago, I started, uh, I joined uh, a guy called Robin Sharma, who's a, an amazing guy, he's an amazing YouTube channel. And he has this thing about the fight. He calls it the 5 a.m. club. Now, yeah. I've never been a morning person. <laughs> and the thought of waking up at 5 a.m. in the morning was just ridiculous. But, you know, I've watched a lot of his videos. I've read a, quite a few of his books. And it, it just, it started really thinking, I should try this. Yeah. And I started it about three months ago. And my purpose for waking up in the morning is I need to I need to get fluent in Korean. My wife is Korean and she deals with all the problems, but I think I should help her. <laughs> so I decided <laughs> to learn to learn Korean. And you know what? I, I wake up at 5 a.m. I make a coffee. So I sit down about five past five in the morning and I have I don't look at my phone until I've 6 a.m. And it's easy now. Okay. It wasn't when I first started, but now it's so easy. 
because nobody else is awake at 5 a.m. in the morning, only stupid people like me. <laughs> Do you know um, why? But, boy. Mm. I, I used to get laughed at for that because I, um, I generally get up between about 4 and 4.30 in the morning and I, I train with a, a trainer of mine and get the gym and all this kind of stuff. And I've recently just got office space. So I go mm. in, I'm in the office before probably like um, – just before seven or just after seven in the morning mm. and no mm. one is there and it is the best <laughs> yeah. time of the day like, oh, it is the best time it's, yeah it's crazy to say i mm. like i enjoy the office environment and i enjoy meeting the new people who come in and out and go through and all this kind of stuff but that time in the morning really is it's my time to do the things i want to do or the things i need to mm. do and not yeah. be disturbed even like oh. um with the kids and stuff like that when i'm at home and i, I go to the gym mm. and come home the kids are not up so i have like a good chunk of time to do things mm. whatever them things may mm. be so mm. i do agree with the early morning thing I, i'm a uh, it, it took some time yeah i <laughs> it's for me i I, I feel such an idiot now because i didn't discover it before but it i would never change it now do you find uh, still it people is just an amazing yet, like what are you doing getting up at five in the morning? Because they don't see the benefit of it. Or do you advise people to do it and they dismiss it or are a bit, are you sure? Like, is that the really only, thing? to be honest with you, the, the people it would work for are the people who just, who, who are generally complaining they never have enough time to do what they want to do. Yeah. Because I, I, that was what I was doing. I, I knew I had to learn Korean. And I kept saying, well, when I get home at night, I've got to do my admin. I've got to deal with all these emails and messages, which I love doing. There's no problem with that. And I thought, yeah, that's why I'm making an excuse. The thought of sitting down and learning a language was what was I didn't want to do. Yeah. But in the end, I thought, right, I'm not going to have any more of these excuses. I'm going to wake up at five. I'm going to spend an hour and I'm going to study and then I'll start my day. And you know what? It's. Yeah, the first five days was tough and I was feeling pretty tired at the end of the day. But now, no way. I wouldn't change it for the world now. It's just one of the best decisions I've made this year is get up at 5 a.m. Excellent. And it's no problem at all. My dog hates it. <laughs> the dog's like, just leave me be and just leave me yeah, alone. Yeah, just let, leave me alone. <laughs> Love yeah. it. So then with um, – we'll move on now to you um, – from your, your kind of personal personal processes and personal uh, things like that to how you run your business. So mm. <clears throat> you mentoring different people and working with different people from walks of life and all this kind of stuff. Your personal and your business processes much, must merge at some point. But is there mm -hmm. Carl in work mode and Carl in personal mode? Is there a split? And if so... How do you get the most out of your business day? So for all our startups or entrepreneurs or people who are looking to start a business who listen to the show, what what would be your tip to say, do this, get the most out of the day from a business point of view? Well, I think usually when, because I've started two businesses while I've been in Korea, uh, the, the biggest problem is usually at the start because it's very messy. There's, there's a lot of stuff going on. And you have to get really good at prioritizing. And, you know, if you, for me, like the productivity business, the, the number one priority for me was to get noticed. Yeah. And so when I started the productivity business, 
I was making sure I was putting content out on social media every single day. But that's because I identified that as the number one priority. And I think a lot of times people get stuck in focusing on things that are not really this, that important at the moment. Okay. And you need to get really good at being able to identify where, where you're strong and where you're weak. And if the weakness is something that's crucial, you need to get really focused on that pretty much throughout the day. Okay. And when you, get, when you get there, that's how you can get your business to grow. So you just mentioned that one key thing you mentioned then was social content. So you're you're mm. huge on YouTube and and blog the blog space. You're you're huge mm. in blogging too. How do you think social has changed for businesses now who are trying to get noticed? You've done like you mentioned before. You've done this a long time, so you've seen a, a gap in the market or seen a a niche where you can say if I do productivity videos this way or that way, I can kind of learn as I go because the industry is just emerging. How do you stay mm. relevant now? You know, the, the funny thing is, is that um, people in the marketing world today, I think they have a really tough job because one thing I've noticed about social media, particularly social media marketing, is it's changing every month. Yeah. And you've got to change your content every month. And you've got to mix it up and... There isn't a formula that you can follow because um, I did a three-way call with uh, some good friends of mine recently on another YouTube channel, and we were talking about when are we going to post these videos. And we said, uh, one of the guys said, oh, 11 p.m. UK time is the best time." And I was thinking, "Well, that's interesting because I find a different time is the best time." <laughs> nice. And so I think sometimes we're getting a little bit too much into the the, the analytics of things. Yeah. Um, and but you know if it's 11 p.m. this month, it won't be 11 p.m. next month. No, it'll be a different time. Yeah, it's it's just changing so rapidly, and you know if your content's good, you'll get noticed, and you're going to throw out a lot of not good content. Okay. But you'll find eventually you'll find what actually resonates and what captures people's attention. So that was another question. Then, do you find that? Uh... Now, um, you see a lot of people who will post content for the sake of posting content without actually understanding the value or the reason for said piece of content. So for, for you in your space, everything you do must add value at some point, whether it's a how-to guide, whether it's a process guide, whether it's uh, talking the, the, the benefits of GTD and things like that. These are all valuable assets that you have. Your, your videos are never going to age in a sense mm. because mm. the systems and the process will all still be there. Do you see people mm. in your niche who just post to be in a feed? Well, I think there's a, there's a little bit, I mean, I've started my YouTube channel on, on Todoist and Evernote. That's where it all started. But I, from the learning experience for me, I learned that what you just mentioned there is things will actually date. So if you go back to my first U, uh, Todoist videos, which is about what, three, three and a half years ago, yeah. uh, it's completely out of date now because Todoist is evolving as well. But you can but update not just the content in terms yeah, of I do, uh, add a which new is great, it, element yeah, and recycle content. Video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the, sure. the core content so, will stay the same. 
yeah, the the court. That's why I've, yeah. I've this year I've moved towards focusing more on the productivity side, less on the app side. Yeah. But that was again because I'm watching what's going on in the space, and that's uh, to stay relevant in your in your own space, whatever space somebody's chosen. You have got to watch what's going on uh, because it does change, and it changes very fast. Okay. So then, mm. with that, the the difference in content, the difference in market, and posting times, and, and relevancy, and all these kind of things, what what would you say is one of the most important things you've learned since launching your business and and being involved with with helping people and mentoring people and stuff like that is there a piece of advice someone's told you or a challenge that you've had and you thought you know what the pennies just dropped now that's you know the best advice i've got for really and i learned this late (laughs) typically um but actually learn how to run a business now what i mean by that and i think we talked about this uh before we started recording most young particularly young entrepreneurs today they are creators they've got brilliant ideas and most of them are really good at shipping and getting the product out the door or the service out the door but the biggest problem that we have is we don't spend the time to learn how to run a business how to understand the financials because you can look at your you know you can look at your revenue sheet and think wow i've made a hundred thousand pounds this month and then you look at your expenses and you spent £150,000 on marketing. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, your yeah. business is upside down. You've got it wrong. <laughs> and you need to be able to learn how to identify. I mean, that's an extreme example. But you need to be able to learn how to identify where those problems are. And you don't see them in the product. You don't see them in the ideas. They don't come up in the meetings. They are you know, the real hard, cold facts which are in a spreadsheet. And you need to learn how to read that. So you need I to think, know how to run your business. Yeah, I didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I do it now. I do, do it now. Do you think people but are seduced by that idea, though? Like, because there's so many people who, well, you can create a website in, in a couple of days. You can drop ship product from anywhere in the world to anywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. Do you think people now are mm-hmm. seduced by the idea of saying they are a businessman or they are an entrepreneur or they are whatever kind of terminology you want to use. And that they don't do that. They don't put a process in place. They're not taking in the right kind of information and processing the right kind of information. Do you think society now is seduced by that idea of, I own all of these uh, yeah, things, but I have no it, idea? It's, it's partly, I think the problem is really uh, more likely to be because of social media. People are posting the positive stuff. They don't actually post the negative stuff. And it's, you know, I, I have an Instagram account and I follow a lot of uh, Instagram influencers, essentially not because I really am interested in their content, more about what are they doing. And, you know, you look at them and you think, well, they're not spending any time in a spreadsheet. Yeah. <laughs> they seem to spend all their time by the pool drinking champagne and driving Ferraris. I mean, but the reality is, is you're not seeing what's going on behind the camera. That's just one picture or one 10 second video. Yeah. And, you know, the hard work that goes in to capture that picture and to do the deals that they're doing with the sponsors of the the post, um, that's taking up 90 percent of their time. Yeah. And, you know, those guys, you know, I know Kim Kardashian is 
a role model to many people and she's an incredible business well the all the kardashians are incredible business people i can guarantee that they can understand a spreadsheet yeah they know what they're doing yeah but you don't reason. see that in their yeah you don't see that part of it in their instagram feeds or facebook feeds or whatever you but they they know how to monitor and run a business okay. and i think once people learn how to do that uh, you know it doesn't mean going to night school you can just google accountancy and learn the basics but um you know if you've got the basics and you you can create you know the right spreadsheets and monitor the right financials you won't go far wrong okay so then uh to, to, to kind of move on from that and see what's next what what is next for carl Pauline in in terms of productivity and um the content you put out that it, like you mentioned before is always evolving the space is always evolving is there something that is, is coming up or there's content that you're looking at like you said before you you're kind of updating a lot of content what's next for you to to add more value to the space well i have a a 10-year plan a 10-year goal if you like which is to replace tony robbins oh nice <laughs> well tony robbins is i think he's 57 this year so he's yep. still young enough but he's going to retire one day somebody's going to have to replace him okay so my goal is to replace him and um he does like workshops and seminars and um big like four-day events to thirteen thousand people um that was up until a couple of weeks ago and he was in moscow and he did to twenty-six thousand people in moscow wow. so so my goal has had to be adjusted <laughs> but um but you know that is where my target is i am um, yeah i love doing the online stuff i love doing the youtube videos but i really enjoy the live stuff yeah that's one um, question you have done more speaking events how are you mm. would, would i i take i don't know if i'm right or wrong but i take it they were on purpose it was something you actively wanted to get involved with and experience and how are they going from your point of view? Are you enjoying them? Is that some space that uh, you like I, to be in? That, you know, the the weirdest thing for me is uh, one of the reasons why I fell in love with teaching is because as a teacher, you're on stage. You yeah. know, you've got like 15, 20 people sat in front of you. You're stood up and you're teaching. And, you know, that part of it was what I loved. And, you know, being on stage and doing a presentation or doing some kind of workshop, teaching a group of people, you know, face to face, not through the digital space. That is what I really, really love. So that's where my ultimate goal is being. So I sort of j half jokingly saying I want to replace Tony Robbins. But when I say that, people understand where I'm going, what I want to do, because yeah. they they see what he's doing. And, you know, I might never do 26,000 people. That's that's fine. But uh, next year, that's what I'm going to be focused more on is the the uh, the workshops, the seminars and that sort of thing, because it's the it's the place that I love doing. Okay. And uh, that's where my future is going to be over the next yeah, 10 years or so. Do you have when you're when you're doing the seminars, do you or have you experienced that moment where the penny does drop for people and they think, you know what, I, I I didn't know what I was going to take from today, but that's the thing or there's a process and it just kind of hits home now. If you do X, you can achieve Y. Mm. Do you get that kind of feedback when you're with people or is it after the event? or we, You get it after the event. You get the emails like a few weeks later and saying, wow, this has changed my life. 
Yeah. You know, those kind of emails. Yeah. Those kind of emails I never delete. Yeah. Because that's really what I'm in it for is I want to be able to change people's lives in a very positive way. And that's really what gives me the buzz. And so those emails, it's you get the feedback afterwards because people are usually a little bit unsure because they're having to change a habit of a lifetime. And which is why I generally leave them saying, look, just try it for a couple of weeks and see what happens. And, you know, most of them are pretty amazed at what happens to their productivity organization. And they start planning, you know, having a plan and having a goal. And, and all that does come into the world of productivity. And so, yeah, that that's where you get the real buzz. Nice. Do you find mm. people... Um just on the back of that do you find people jump on things like gtd without understanding the real purpose because someone in an office or a friend has said oh you need to do this thing and they've kind of half interpreted and then they do add levels of complexity that they don't need so when you come in and speak to them and kind of simplify it all and say them it doesn't have to be this complex have a home list have a work list build out take it slow take the time you've got the time take the time to do it and yeah. that's where people see the benefits because they're, they're trying to run before they can crawl if that make if that makes sense it, it is yeah um the, the biggest the, the biggest barrier to becoming more productive is is the is kind of like the back end work you know the collecting everything into one place organizing it into projects and then doing it's what i call cod you know collect organize and do and because what I find is a lot of productivity systems have like five or six different levels, and that's too much for the average person. Yeah. You've got to be pretty much, you've got to be a bit like me, a little bit geeky about productivity to really enjoy a six-level process. But a three-level process, which is collect, organize, and do, you know, everyone can understand that. And when you show them the benefit and you show them how it can really help them to get rid of some of this stress and give them more time to get on with the things that they really want to do, you know, that's that's when you see the penny drop. Yeah. And you can see it in their eyes. It's just amazing when you see that. So people do understand the more time. If you spend a bit of time now, you will gain the time later. It's one of those. Yeah. But put it in, in place and really have... And I think, yeah, it is. Do, do you find people struggle with consistency of a system? So um, <laughs> when it's there and they're like, oh, because I've, I've done this in the past, so I'm speaking from experience too, where <laughs> I have this really, really solid system. And my wife tells me all the time, like, when you were doing this, you were so much more relaxed and all this kind of stuff, which I do mm. know I need to get back to. So that's what I'm working on. But people have a system and they're like, oh, it's totally working. It's totally what I want. And then mm. for one reason or another, whatever that reason may be, they kind of fall out of it and then struggle to regain it. You know what causes it? It's usually a crisis. It could be a crisis at work, a crisis at home. Um, it could be a big argument with the boss or a big argument with a colleague. And suddenly now your mind is so full of that argument or whatever crisis has happened at work that day and you stop collecting. And, you know, just one day uh, you don't collect and they say, oh, what was it? I had to remember. Oh, what? and then the whole system will start falling apart. And you're right that the difficulty for most people is developing that habit of collecting everything. You don't have to organize it immediately. You can organize it on the weekend. 
Yeah, but you know but, where it is so, to organise. Yeah, as long yeah. as you're collecting, and what you've got to kind of teach yourself is to, no matter what's going on around me, no matter what crises are happening around me, I need to make sure I'm collecting the, the ideas, the commitments, the appointments, the, you know, the, the important information. And, yeah, I, one of my favorite, <laughs> I forced myself to take some time off on a Friday. And I know it's a drama, and I know it's all fiction, but I tend to watch Midsummer Murders. Okay. Because living in Korea, you don't see much of England, and Midsummer Murders out in the countryside, you know, and it's <laughs> okay. very slow and gentle. Yeah. But the thing I've noticed, one of the things that always strikes me is, uh, as soon as they arrive at a scene, uh, whatever's happening in that scene, out comes the notebook, the policeman's yeah. notebook. You know, and I think the policeman, obviously, I, I'm pretty sure I've, I've noticed this in real life, too. You know, as soon as they arrive at a scene, no matter what's going on, out comes the notebook. And, you know, that's the kind of habit you need to be in in, in, in real life, too. If you're collecting outcomes, whatever it is, your phone, if you collect on your phone or, or a piece of, you know, a notebook, uh, just have it with you all the time and just collect stuff. You can delete it later. Once you're into that habit, then you're less likely to, as we call it, fall off the wagon. Yeah. Nice. Mm. That's interesting. I've read that like, plenty where, um, like Richard Branson and all, all these kinds of people, to just have a pocket notebook oh, yeah. all the time. Always have a notebook with just you. Just yeah. to write down anything. He said, and it, I've read articles where, like, like you just mentioned before, even if you read it back and think, what was I thinking? At least you have it to reference. If you're just trying to think, what was that mm. thought I had while I was trying to get the shopping in, then you're never gonna you're never gonna get there again. As much as you try, it will it will always be a struggle. Okay, so generally when we wrap up our shows, we ask all of our guests uh, a couple of quick fire questions. Carl, you've seen them, so you've had a little time to think about them. But every time we ask these questions, we always get different replies. We always get kind of interesting replies from a few people too. So. We'll dive into our quick fire if that's okay. 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 So a nap you cannot live without. They see that you you you've asked that in the singular a nap. Yeah. So I had to think. Evernote or Todoist. Evernote <laughs> or Todoist. And I'm going to go with Todoist because that actually gives me guidance throughout the day. Okay. So I'll go with Todoist is an app that I couldn't live without because that sort of tells me what I need to be working on. Okay. If you lost Evernote, could you do what you do in Evernote in Todoist as a additional question? Uh, no, because Evernote, that free-form note ability in Evernote is just perfect for planning. Yeah. Uh, Todoist can take notes, but it's nowhere near as good as Evernote at that. Okay. Excellent. So. Mm. Okay. So then... Next one is your favorite book, one that has inspired you the most or motivated you the most? Well, a lot of books have done that, but the one I would say in the last three or four years that's really motivated and inspired me was a book by Jim Rohn. And it's called The Five Major Pieces to the Life Puzzle. Oh, okay. It's just such a brilliant book. It's not too long. Uh, it's so easy to read, but it just makes sense. Yeah, it's everything fits. I mean, Jim Rohn is just a brilliant presenter. And one of the brilliant things about uh, Jim Rohn, uh, sadly, he died in 2009. But, you know, so many of his seminars and workshops are now on YouTube and you can watch them for free. And 
But he wrote a lot of books as well in his time. But this one, The Five Major Pieces to the Life Puzzle, is just an amazing book. And it really opens up your eyes to what you could achieve if you really put your mind to it. Yeah, excellent. Now, I I remember um, watching one of your YouTube videos um, about GTD. And you said you read Mm. the GTD book probably every year. Or I do periodically at, at, at that level. No, every year. Yeah, every Christmas. Do, is <laughs> one uh, one question would be um, for anyone who doesn't know to explain why, and a, a second part of that question would be: Is there any other books like that that you constantly revisit to um, kind of home in on what you want to achieve or the best way to plan out your processes? Uh, no, it's GTD because at, at the core of my whole system since to since i moved from franklin planner actually back in 2009 has been david allen's getting things done book and the reason i read it every year is because there's a lot of subtleties in gtd and david allen admits in the book itself that you're not going to pick this up in just a weekend it's going to take six months or, or more to really understand it but the thing about getting things done is once you truly understand it down to its fundamentals and its core, you know, you're never going to ever have problems of overwhelm or stress or getting stuck with busy work. It really opens up your eyes to what you're working on and what you can work on and what you're in the mood to work on. And on its own, I don't think it's enough. Um, I need books like by Jim Rohn and David uh, and Brian Tracy. You know, I'll read their books as well because that kind of fills in the gaps. But for a system, then Getting Things Done by David Allen is definitely a book well worth reading. Okay. Do you read the new version or do you stick with the old version or have you evolved with the process? I've got the new version. I think the 2015 version was the last one. Yeah. But the thing about uh, getting things done is it's not a s- system on its own. It's a set of principles that you follow and you create your your own system around those principles. I think when you g- get that, that's when GTD really starts working for you. Okay. I see a lot of people who want to copy, they call it the GTD system, and a couple of years ago, I, I was very fortunate to meet David Allen and we had lunch and I was asking him about that. And he sort of smiled at me. He's, he's got this amazing smile. And he just said, you will understand one day it's fundamentals. It's not a system. And which yeah. is why he never he never recommends a, a productivity app because yeah. he understands I've, everybody I've read, is different. I've read different things from him I and mean, seen him in mm. different interviews and stuff like that. And he said there's so many that can fit the principle and he's tried multiple times to try and integrate um a, a various different apps to produce a gtd app but it does mm. evolve and it is changing and it is kind yeah, of it does. so personal to you how you do uh mm. how you interpret the process that it would never work anyway or potentially yeah, not it work um it but, doesn't it breaks down yeah cool so is there a, then a quote or a saying uh productivity or personal that kind of uh, you re- you revisit a lot or that kind of sticks with you when you're working or putting things in, in place? Well, I have a brain tattoo now, and it's again from Jim Rohn. 
And I came across this quote maybe three or four years ago, and it stuck with me. And it's pretty much with me every day, which is success is a few simple disciplines practiced every day. Failure is a few errors in judgment uh, repeated every day. Interesting. And, you know, that actually sounds simple. You know, success is a few simple disciplines practiced every day. Failure is a few errors in judgment repeated every day. But when you actually sit down and think about it, it's very powerful. Yeah. It's very much like if you do the same thing every day and expect a different result, don't. Like, yeah, but that's it's one of them kind of like it's one of them kind of quotes that if you want to change, change. Don't expect it to change. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like the the simple disciplines practiced every day. Um, It's I mean, he gives in his talks, he gives a lot of examples on this one. Um, It's the simple one is like do exercise every day. Now, if you practice exercise every day, you're going your good chance you're going to be fit and healthy for the whole of your life. If you don't exercise every day, you don't exercise that discipline, then there's a good chance that you're not going to be fit and healthy for the rest of your life. And the one for the errors in judgment, he he makes a joke out of it. We all know the um, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. But if you change that and say a Hershey bar a day keeps the doctor away, he says, <laughs> you've got it wrong. You're making an error in judgment. You know, eating that chocolate bar every single day is not going to be good for you. It's an error in judgment. Yeah. Um, so I, when he explains it, I mean, it's just a brilliant concept and it stuck with me for so long as that one. And um, it is with me every day. You know, those days when I think, oh, I'm not in the mood to exercise. And I just remind to myself success is a few simple <laughs> disciplines practiced every day excellent that's enough to get me to the gym that's mm. enough to motivate practiced every day it is yeah it's so motivating nice okay then so our last one is the one thing that you would take to a desert island well i hope there's going to be wi-fi or internet connection because <laughs> i'd have to take my apple music playlists okay um well, we had this conversation I, I this do... week with uh Nick, who, who was one of our guests, and it's mm. a proper desert island, like a hump of sand and a coconut tree. So no uh, Okay, well, I'd yeah. have to... Okay, I'm downloading the music. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'd have to... It, I'm just a huge fan of uh, trance music, like Above and Beyond and Armin Van Buren. And I, every... You know, when I'm at home and I, or in my office, <clears throat> that's the music I've got on, and I'm working to that music. Okay. And... I don't think I could. <laughs> I don't think I could produce as much as I do without without their music. Without the music um, going. For me, it has to be music. It's such a big part. Uh, I mean, it's so big that uh, in two weeks' time, my wife and I we're going flying down to Hong Kong uh, just to see above and beyond. Oh, very nice. And yeah, you know, when I was living in the UK, the thought of you know, going to another country to go and see a favorite band, you know, you just didn't think about doing that. Yeah, you would. But, uh, but I'm doing it. I'm going. It's a bucket <laughs> list thing. I'm going. <laughs> if it's a bucket list thing, then it's one of them where you yeah. do you do put the extra effort in, I guess. But no. Oh, it's I, I'm, it's going to be amazing. So I'm, I can't wait to go. It's going to be fantastic. Excellent. Well, Carl, all that's left for me to say again is just a massive, massive thank you. Um, for taking the time today, answering the questions, giving out all our listeners insight into your systems and the principles of getting the best out of um, 
your productivity tools and apps and all these kind of things. So I really, really do appreciate it. Thank you so much. Well, thank you very much for having me on. And I hope I've helped some people out there understand a little bit more about productivity. Oh, without a doubt. I, I, I definitely think you've done that. Thank you so much. Good, good, good. <laughs> So there you go. There's our chat with Carl. Um, like I said at the opening of the show, there's so much to take away from this, so much to uh, look at and revisit in your own processes, whether it's a personal process, whether it's a business process. As Carl said as well, the biggest thing that people struggle with uh, uh, that he sees is capturing data. How do you bring in all of those inboxes, whether it's an email inbox, a Slack, a Trello, Todoist, uh, Evernote, how do you file it all, keep it searchable, actionable, all these kinds of different things. Now, uh, like, I, like I said at the owner, I'm a real big fan of productivity. I like it a lot. Um, and there was a lot of takeaways from this show that I've tried to implement over the last week since chatting to Carl. Um, it is always interesting to see how different people's processes and different people's systems all follow the same path, but have subtle different uh, avenues within that path. So uh, what we'd like you to do is message us, uh, comment in, in, on the show, and, and let us know what your system is. Do you use a GTD type system? Do you use um, a, a, a different system like Carl? Is a, what's your problems? What's your um, kind of challenges with your productivity? Again, we mentioned in the show about falling off the wagon. I'm sure plenty have. How do you re recalibrate that, bring it back, and start again with your system? We really want to know your feedback and, and get some um, participation from you guys. So please comment, message us, jump on the website, send us a, an email, and we'll see you next time. And again, a massive, massive thanks to Carl for taking the time to speak to us. Cheers. <laughs>